You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethlehem Temple Church in Middletown, Ohio. We pray you enjoy today's message. It's that blood that gives me strength from day to day, and it'll never, never, ever lose its power. It's just as strong today as it was over 2,000 years ago. And if he should carry another 100 years, it'll still be just as strong. It'll never lose its power. Let's give our God a hand praise on this morning. We thank and praise God for him being God, and we thank and praise God for every one of you who are here on this morning. We thank God for our praise team, and we thank God for our musicians who have rendered music as unto the Lord. We want to uh, invite everyone out on next week, which is uh, be Christmas Eve. Someone, I, I know they was kind of joking, saying, are, are we, I hope they was joking, uh, uh, saying, are we going to have service next on Christmas Eve Sunday? I said, well, you know, it's his birthday. I think we ought to come out and, and celebrate his birthday. And, and so we're inviting everyone to come out, and the program will be our children. They will do their children's program first, and then our praise team, and then we'll give a uh, short message or whatever the Lord leads on our heart. And then you can go home and enjoy the rest of your weekend going into Christmas. Can you say amen? Amen. But we thank and praise God for you who are here on today. This morning, I invite your attention to a very familiar text of scripture found in the gospel according to St. Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. We ask if you would be so kind. Once you have found that passage of scripture, if you would please stand in reverence of the word of the Lord. St. Luke chapter 10, I will read in your hearing verses 38 through 42. And I'm going to be reading out of the King, New King James Version, so you can just follow me as we uh, go after this text on this morning. St. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through verse 42. You have it? Say, I have it. I have it. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Verse 41. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Verse 42. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taking, taken away from her. This morning, I would like for you to think upon the subject coming properly from verse number 40 where Martha was distracted with much serving. And then verse 42, she said there's only one thing that is needed. Think upon the subject this morning. What matters most this Christmas? What matters most this Christmas? And I'm going to try 
with the help of the Lord address, and I'm kind of tailoring this more to our young people, those who struggle this time of the year, but what matters most this Christmas? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity you've given us to share your word. Now, Lord God, we ask that you have prepared our hearts and that your word will fall on good ground and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer, and all of God's people say amen. amen. What matters most this Christmas? Today we face so many distractions. We ought to get an amen right there. Amen. We uh, face distractions from email and texts and push notifications and all of these things are constantly trying to draw our attention and get us focused on other things. Research says, and then I'm going to move on because y'all know how I can get on social media at times, but research says that the average person that has an iPhone will look at their phone between six and seven times an hour. That means uh, some of y'all, before church was over, be over it. You're going to sneak a peek. You're going to look at your watch and see what social media is saying to you. And the thing about it is that even though we are connected like we never have been before with friends, with family, with job, and with people we don't even know, even though we're connected with people, the danger is we can become disconnected to God. That's where I'm going. Because someone said like this, if the enemy can distract you from time alone with God, then he can isolate you from the help that only comes from God. I'm going to say that again. If the enemy can distract you from your time alone with God, then he can isolate you from the help that only comes from God. Oh, yeah, y'all can give him a praise right there. Because distractions cause shadow thinking, and shadow thinking cause shadow lifestyles. Now, when we look at this particular term or look at what distraction means, distraction is something that turns your attention away from something that you're concentrating on. Isn't it amazing that you could be thinking about something, all of a sudden something comes up and it distracts you. And most of the time, it distracts us from something not greater, but something that is less important. This particular word means the drawing of the minds in different directions. It means the pulling apart. And the enemy is doing everything he can to pull us in all types of directions. In fact, in medieval times, there was a torture technique where they would lie or lay a man down and they would tie his extremities, his hands and his feet to horses. And then they would let the horses go. And what would it do? It would pull that person apart. That's a horrible death. But that's what distraction does. And that's what they coined that word. It's the pulling apart. It, it, it pulls us in so many directions where we can't even figure out what's right, wrong, up, down. We're just going in so many directions, busy but going nowhere. 
And at Christmas time, we're all to be about Jesus. Now, don't write me. I know that Christmas wasn't his actual birthday, so just say it. But we're celebrating Christmas, and it's about him. And the time we spend ought to be focused upon his celebration, not our own celebration. See, the dangers of being distracted is, first of all, it makes the gospel unfruitful. Some of you remember the parable that Jesus told about the sower who went out and sowed, and some fell along stony ground. And it says, before the seed had time to take root, the birds came down and ate it. And it became unfruitful because of the carefulness or the, the, the cares of the world, the, fruit, the seed did not prosper. See, it, 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 when the word is going forth, the enemy also is at work. You remember, and we hope, and most of the time people uh, apply this truth, that when the word is being spoken, especially at altar call time, when God is dealing with people, it's very important that we don't cause any distractions. Now, it, 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 I'm just being funny. And if you didn't have to go to the bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom at altar call time. If you couldn't hold your bladder in altar call time, you're going and, and, and I'm saying, if that be your case, don't sit in front of the church and go all the way to the back so you can be a distraction. Just kind of tip out and go out that way. Because the enemy will try to distract us when the word is coming forth. Because he knows when the word comes forth and the seed will produce if it falls on the right type of ground. See, the problem is not the seed. The problem is not the word. It's the heart that is receiving it. That is what's going to depend upon whether it prosper or whether it won't. Unchecked distraction causes us to forget about the judgment of God. There in St. Luke chapter 21 verses 34 to 36, he gives his Mount Olive Discourse. And there he says that the time is going to come that he says, don't let your heart be weighed down with the drunkenness and the cares of this life. In other words, what he was saying in that text was things are going to be happening in the times that we live in that is going to distract us because of the cares of life. We're looking around and seeing all these types of things that are happening in our world and we're wondering how we're going to make it in inflation and, and taxes and all the things that are happening to us. But see, the Bible's already told us when we see these things come to pass, don't worry about them. Don't let them be a distraction. He said our job is to look up because our redemption draws now. Unchecked distractions also cause us to divide our commitment. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells them in his uh, uh, commentary on marriage, he tells the man, he says, if you want to be totally committed to me, totally, he said, don't get married. Y'all still want to be committed? Totally committed? <laughs> no, no, no. What he was saying was that when you want to be totally committed like Paul was, he says, when you are married, you've got the cares of your companion. 
There's a distraction that is built in that relationship. So Paul said, man, woman, if you don't want to be fully committed, or if you want to be fully committed, then stay single. Oh, I didn't get much on that one. All right. <laughs> Uncheck distractions close off communion with God. And so we see in this particular text that when we come to Luke chapter number 10, Jesus has made a shift in his ministry. In chapter 951, the Bible says, and when the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. Jesus knew that his time was uh, about up. He knew he was on the clock. And he saw Jerusalem, and the Bible says, he set his eyes toward Jerusalem like a flame. The Bible lets us to know that on his way between where he was going to Jerusalem, there was a house that he stayed at, and it was called, it was Martha's house. The Bible lets us to know that Martha invited Jesus to the house, and not only was Jesus, but you know, Jesus had disciples, and he probably had some folk following him for the fishes and loaves. So when they come to Martha's house, Martha was trying to be a great host for Jesus. The Bible lets us to know that Martha, you no doubt, for Christmas and having this dinner, she's trying to get the rolls and the ham and the turkey and the yams and the macaroni and cheese, and she's bringing out the best china for Jesus, and she's doing all these things to make a big splash because here's Jesus in our house, and I want to show hospitality towards Jesus. But we find out that Martha has started to get some bent-up or some pent-up resentment. She looked around and said, where's Mary? She done left me to do the dishes. <laughs> now, you know how you are. You know y'all got some folk to come to your house and eat, then they leave. You, you got some folk that'll come and bring a little cup of macaroni and cheese and leave with big bags. Anybody else got any family? They come and stay all day. You got to turn the lights out like I do at the church sometimes. And Martha got upset about it. She actually tried like she tried to rebuke Jesus. She said in verse 40, she said she got distracted, but Martha was distracted with must serving, and she approached him saying, Lord, don't you care? that she has left me to serve by myself. Now notice how distraction operates. First of all, her distraction led to disbelief. She had to ask the question, do you even care about what I'm doing? Look how I'm working, look how I'm sweating, look how I'm laying out off the best for you, and, and she's sitting over there at the feet listening to you. Her distraction led her to be defensive. She said, my sister left me to serve. They can help me. She can help me. Why aren't they coming and helping with the food and laying out some stuff at the table? Why do I got to always do it? They always come to my house. Some of y'all get it. <laughs> she got upset and she said, why are you putting this demand on me? She said, Jesus, tell her to help me. Have you ever hosted something you wanted somebody to help? You wanted somebody to put 
have some skin in the game. Now, we're going to learn some lessons from this particular story. First of all, we learned that our actions and behaviors are based on our priorities. See, we, we, we miss an important part of this lesson because, watch this, Mary and Martha both was worshiping. Both of them was operating in the ministry. You need Mary and you need Martha. Something we, we, we often go after Martha, but, but see, Martha was the worker. Yeah, it, it'd be like the praise team come up and praise that they come and drive to, to come to church, but you need the Marthas to open up the church. Come on. The problem was that Martha had her priorities messed up. It wasn't that Jesus was condemning her for serving, but Jesus was saying, it's not the right time. See, Jesus knew that my time on earth is limited. My time on earth is short. So given that, you got to make the right choices in your life. He, he, he was saying that the, the anxiety that you're going through, the problems of being pulled in so many directions. He said, in other words, why are you doing all of this? See, Martha's service wasn't wrong, but the attitude she had was wrong. Now, watch this. Martha was in the role of a servant, but she didn't have the heart of a servant. See, how many of us will be serving and we don't want to be there? How many are going to be flipping dishes down? How many are going to be doing with an attitude? That's what Martha done. She was doing the right thing, but she had an attitude. You can invite folk over, bring in all the bells and whistles, but if you're serving with an attitude, you're serving for the wrong reason. I'm talking about making the most out of this. When we look at it, Martha's priority was all screwed up. Another lesson we learned from this is sometimes you've got to learn how to simplify your life. Just because grandma spent all night cooking, we got microwaves nowadays. Just because you used to prepare for 50 people, now you only got 10. Cut back. You used to lay out everything and everybody, you used to make it for everybody, Y'all bring some stuff. You've got to learn to simplify your life. Why go through all the changes and you carrying all the responsibility and then have an attitude about it? Simplify your life. I'm going to say this, and some of the mothers remembered, I remember a couple of mothers on this side when we first became pastors. We would have a dinner, and man, they'd be downstairs four or five hours peeling potatoes, peeling potatoes. We said, we said, no, we go to Gordon Food. <laughs> we we don't do that no more. And, and then we have to simplify the process. You can have the same results and don't have to go through all those changes. That's what I'm saying. See, if you notice here, 
Jesus never asked her to go through all those changes. So it was more about Martha's agenda than it was Jesus. Are you serving because you want folks to think you're just the greatest host? Are you just laying out all of the bells and the whistles so folk can pat you on the back? Are you buying gifts for everybody that you don't even like so they'll see how great you are? Are you going in debt so you can make people think, boy, they're very generous, and you're going to be paying 10 years for a $100 item? Jesus never asked her to go. He said, Martha, he said it twice, Martha, Martha, you hurry, you worry, you're distracted by so many things. I didn't even ask you to do that. I just came to your house. In other words, check your motives. Why are you doing what you do? If you're making the most out of Christmas this season, if you don't feel like doing it, and if you're going to get an attitude about doing it, don't do it. I don't know about you, but if I go someplace and, or I'll just say it even at home, I got a meal and, 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 and the food flipped at me. I don't care how good the meal is. That's being disrespectful. Amen. So serving with an attitude. Serving with resentment. Also what we learn here is that just because Mary had a different role, don't get upset because other folk got other ministries. How come they don't do it like me? How come they come this and then they don't support this? And, and they, God's got married and Martha's in the church and you got to learn who you are and be what God has called you to be. This story is not about right or wrong, but about priorities. Tell you that, get your priorities straight. In other words, Jesus was telling this Martha, Operate on my agenda. See, if you operate on God's agenda, you ain't going to be stressed out. Oh, y'all don't hear me there. When you operate on his agenda, you ain't going to pull your hair out. You ain't going to be all frustrated and mad at folk and can't get along with nobody during the holiday. When you work on his agenda, you will understand that God is in control and God has given me a choice in how I respond to what people want and demand from me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you worry, you upset, and you let folk pulling you in all types of directions and got you going in every section and you feel like you got to do all that. He said, I didn't require that. I didn't ask you, do you got to go to every committee meeting? I didn't tell you you had to go to everything on your job. I didn't tell you you had to buy a gift for everybody that's got a, uh, the name in the pot. I didn't tell you you had, you're stressing yourself out about a lot of stuff that's not even necessary. We learn from this particular lesson that we have to learn to distinguish between what's good, what's better, and what's best. See, food was good, amen? Yes. Jesus needed some food, and the people that was with Jesus needed food. But was that the top priority when Jesus was just passing through? 
The object is that, yes, we all need food, but we got to learn how to prioritize life if we want life to work for us. See, we got to understand shopping for the perfect gift, that's one thing. But when we understand who the perfect gift is for God so loved the world, that's another thing. Many of us will spend time and money shopping online and going to stores and, and buying stuff and spending money for our kids. And, and, and actually what we're doing, we're trying to compensate for the time we haven't spent all year long. You can't make up on Christmas what you ain't done all year. Make this time special. Make this time a time of celebration. And instead of teaching about Santa Claus, teach him about God. Teach him about value. Teach him about prayer. Tell him, turn off the phone. Tell him, we ain't going to have that here in this house today. We got to learn to teach him value that was passed down to us. Instead of you worrying about what you got, John, you better start counting the blessings you already had. Did you sleep in a warm house last night? How much food did you eat yesterday? You didn't pay a dime for it. You better count your blessings. I said you better count your blessings. I know we, we raise in a generation that feels entitled, but it's our job to teach them that these things don't have to be. If it had not been for the Lord who's been on our side, where would we be? We could be living under a bridge. We could be living in a homeless shelter. We could be living in our cars. We could be walking the street. But because God's been good, God's been good. God's been good. We got to tell our children. Pass values to them. Say, Grandma taught us this, and Mama taught us this, and, and, and build a foundation. Of, because oftentimes, that's the only time we get together is during the holiday. Give them something that will last. That's what I'm saying. Because he, Ben was saying, I'm going to close that He would say, you can give them something temporary, or you can give them something eternal. Give them something temporary, they'll go through the bag, they'll tear up the bag, and they'll have more enjoyment with the sack than with the product you bought. You buy them something very expensive, and don't you know, within six months, they don't even remember what you bought. But if you put something in them that'll last, that when they go into a hostile school system, if you put something in them that'll last, when the storms of life come and beat against them, when you put something in them that'll last when they're challenged at school or being bullied, that will carry eternal consequences. We have to learn in this lesson while we work for God like Martha did, we cannot forget the God of the world. Some of us, and particularly workaholics like myself, we can get so caught up in doing God's work, you can miss God. You understand what I'm saying? 
They, they taught us, and it was true. They said the easiest place to backslide is in Bible college. Because you die and you learn in all the different uh, systems of theology. You learn about God. But learning about God doesn't mean you know God. Didn't he tell us that in Matthew, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, he said, for many shall say in that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils? Did we not do many wonders work? In other words, we was working for you, but we never knew you. What matters most is to build that relationship with Jesus Christ because when you build that relationship with him during this special season, it can never be taken away from you for what shall separate us from his love. Yes, we've got to work. But we've got to put our work in perspective. Work or worship. Worship takes a priority. Yes. Both are important. Both are needed. But in this context, because Jesus knew I'm passing by one more time, the most important part is to stay and to sit at my feet and to hear my word. Amen. During this holiday season, what's the most important thing? Is it what you got at your dinner table? When most of our families going to go to our house, then go to somebody else's house, and go to somebody else's house, they're going to hit about three stops. So you stretching yourself out on what you're going to prepare. You ain't the only game going. Some start a couple days before the holiday. So to pull out your hair and to let your mind be distracted and not let Jesus be the reason for the season is unnecessary. Also we learn in this text and I want us, don't want us to miss it. In their culture, Mary was in a position where she should not have been. When the rabbis taught, the women's role was to be in the kitchen, per se, to serve. But Jesus was saying, I'm doing a new thing. I, I'm going to let this woman sit at my feet. I know that y'all don't hear about this. I know Judaism don't teach this. I know the culture don't teach it. But because I'm here and she's at my feet, that's important. I'm doing a new thing. Yeah. In other words, don't judge folks' ministry because God just might be doing a new thing. Don't make people's ministry go through your funnel of exception. God might be doing a new thing. Don't perceive people's ministry and what they're doing during the holiday. But they must not be. They got an attitude. Maybe they don't have the calling that you have on your life. Learn to do what God has called you to do and rejoice when God blesses somebody else to do something different. Lastly, in verse 42, he says, one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary put devotion over work. She put worship as a primary goal. I wouldn't plan to say this, but it's true. Even in church, we think worship can be, how, how fast we clap our hands. That ain't worship necessarily. 
if you're not experiencing his presence, that's worship. The old folks said, if I couldn't say a word, what did I do? I just wave my hand. In other words, we think worship has to be how fast the organ is going on, how loud we're singing, and how fast the music is going. And that's work, and that's fine, and it's got his place, but that's not worship necessarily unless you invite his presence into our sanctuary. Because in his presence is where there's power. In his presence, that's where ministry and restoration can take place. In his presence where power and change can be broken in the name of Jesus. He said, that which Mary has taken is the most important thing. And I'm challenging us over the next couple weeks, before we get all frizzled, before we get all frustrated, before we get all mad, and I got travel plans and at the airport and the plane delay, before you get all tied up, what's most important this Christmas season? And it is to spend that time with the Lord. To spend time pouring into our families. Y'all don't hear me. Yes. To give our children the hope that lies within us. Yes. 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 To tell them about the love of Jesus and how and what he has done for us, he can do for you. All of the other stuff, I'm not going to knock it. It may have its place, but it's not the most important thing. What matters most is that Jesus is the reason for the season. Put your hands together. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.